Superpowers on the Superpower Up podcast, the show that lifts the voice of love from orgasms to superpowers and everything in between. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Sex, Love, and Superpowers podcast show. I'm your host, Tatiana Berenday, and today I'm really honored to have Amanda Kingsley with me, and we are going to be discussing a really deep topic, but you know... Sex, love, and superpowers. We're we're all about addressing the taboo on this show. So our topic today is defining what is sacred: a conversation about miscarriage and abortion. Um, and I actually met Amanda in the labor and delivery room at the hospital. So I'm really excited to mm-hmm. to have her with me on the show today. Amanda Kingsley is a 39 year old mother of three. She's committed to a life of growth, expansion, and adventure with her partner of 20 years. In addition to her family as a number one priority, Amanda finds joy in her work as a life coach, podcaster, blogger, and network marketer. So welcome to the show, Amanda. I'm really, really happy to have you here today, and I'm so glad that you agreed to talk about this really challenging subject. Mm, thank you so much um, for holding this space for these conversations that are underhead. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so before we dive in, because I have a feeling that we're gonna we're gonna go really deep with this one, um, I'm gonna ask you to just share with everybody a little bit more about yourself and to start out in doing that by telling us what your superpowers are. Hmm. Um, I love that question. Uh, and I, the, the first thing that always comes to me when someone asks me about superpowers is that, um, I have an incredible ability to problem solve, to creatively problem solve and, uh, consistently, uh, come up with new and, um, again, like new and interesting and different there's a creative part um problems to a solution i really believe that everything can be solved in one way or another but in addition to that i think i have um a calling to hold space for women and Mm -hmm. so i'm able to do that particularly for women in a way that um we always land somewhere really powerful, right? <laughs> Through both the just presence and holding space, but then also the strong passion and desire for forward growth, which for me very much comes from that sort of like problem solving, action oriented. Um, like this topic we're going to talk about today, right? Like there's a huge, heavy, interesting topic. Um, and part of my expressing it out into the world was my like creative problem solving, right? I'm not going to just let this sit. This is going to serve way more people. Yeah. Um, by having this conversation, I can serve way more people. Um, so I don't know if that connection makes sense in your head, but, <laughs> but it does in mine. Totally, totally. And that's something that I really love about you is your like how authentic it is to you and how like deeply entrenched in your soul that desire to serve others is. And I think it's like one of the things I love about you the most and what I find most, most beautiful Mm -hmm. about you. And, and you do that through the problem solving and you're really good at it. So (laughs) 
It's interesting. And I, I bet you find this with a lot of women who, who finally take ownership of their superpower. Um, for most of my life, um, as a young adult and an adult, I was told or believed somehow, probably both, that my superpower was a weakness. Mm. Um, because in many ways, like, I would bump into people who didn't want a solution. <laughs> and I have learned to navigate that territory in a really different way than I probably did 10 years ago or 15 years ago or 20 years ago. Um, but I always, for a long, long time, I thought that my ability to intuitively and creatively problem solve um, was meddling because mm. many people told me so. Like, mm -hmm. I just wanted to vent. I didn't really want you to solve my problem. Right. Um, and it is so, it's so much a piece of who I am that um, it was hard for me to navigate those waters of, am I meddling? Am I a really bad listener? Am I not? You know, so. I can totally relate yeah. to that. I can totally yeah. relate to that. And I think it's, <laughs> I think it's one of the, one of the deepest lessons that we learn on the healing path, you know, those of us who are, who are in this work and service to other people is that, you know, we can really ultimately only serve people who are asking for that yeah. from us. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if you found this, but I've definitely found that to have the, the coaching relationship and the container of that, it's like, oh my God, now I get to flow with my gifts and I don't have to worry about exactly what you just spoke to. And the other piece is like when you have um, a strong, I just did the most interesting quiz online this morning and I'm sorry if I'm going off topic, but one of the questions was, um, what would be the most scary thing to be taken from you? And one the one of the options was your intuition mm. and i had never thought about it that way but i was like i would be lost without my intuition yeah and so i think that's what made it so challenging for me to learn how to use my superpower without um you know, in a respectful way, in a safe container, because for me, it was such a strong, intuitive hit. <laughs> yeah. It was like, must share, must share. And so you have to practice over yes. time. Like, yeah. when it's okay to share. <laughs> anyway. Totally, totally. Gone off topic, sorry. So, no, but I think we can swing it back around because I'd love to hear more about, you know, we have to go to a break really soon, but just before we do, if you could tell our listeners a little bit more about how you, how you employ that gift and that superpower in your work with people and sort of, I guess I want to hear more from you. I know, but I want our listeners to hear more from you why you are the perfect person to be having this conversation about abortion and miscarriage with? Hmm. <laughs> I'm not sure I fully processed that answer myself. Um, it, I don't know how deep we will delve into my story, but I feel like my um, abortion was gifted to me <laughs> um, in a way that like, I didn't anticipate. I didn't, it, it was, to share has become this calling that I did not invite in. So the answer sort of is that like, I don't know any way to do it other than to share. 
Um, so you also I, have a background in. I do. This is true. Okay. Both work. <laughs> I do. Um, and which comes first? I don't know. I, you know, I don't. But yes, I have a strong. I have always, always, always had a strong calling to birth and pregnancy, um, and early postpartum, and the mother spirit in general. And um, I say birth is in my blood, <laughs> and. I did. I've done many, many births as a doula. I studied in home birth midwifery school. I um, have held space to photograph women's births. Um, I spent a little time overseas doing some midwifery uh, exploration. Um, being a part of that transitional birth world has always been very much a part of who I am. And it still is, it's just in a very different and interesting way. Um, but I do, I studied, I graduated with a degree in women's health. Um, so yeah, it's very much a part of who I was. I just had no idea it would lead me to this topic in women's mm -hmm. health. <laughs> mm -hmm. Not, yeah. I could have ever anticipated. Right, right. And oftentimes it is our own life journey that sort of carves out the path for us, not what we think we're, what we yeah. think we're going to be walking on, Right. <laughs> Um, so I'm really, really excited to dive deep into this topic. As you mentioned um, at the beginning, you know, there are not enough, if any, resources out there or conversations that women can tune into around, around this. And I'm, I'm really hoping and I trust that we'll be able to navigate this conversation in a really, with a lot of grace um, and, and a lot of holding, holding that sacredness at the center of, of everybody's journey. So um, please stay tuned after the break. We are going to go to a quick break and then Amanda and I are going to un uncover this, this really sometimes challenging, sometimes really beautiful topic. And so please stay tuned for that. Before we go to the break, Amanda, can you tell everybody where they can go to find out more about you and your work? Absolutely. Um, my website is Amanda Star Kingsley at uh, amandastarkingsley.com. Um, it is actually my birth given middle name, which I, I love it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that's A M A N D A S T A R K I N G S L E Y dot com, amandastarkingsley.com. All right. And we are discussing defining what is sacred, a conversation about miscarriage and abortion. This is going to be really good. So stay tuned. Are you here to change the world? Do you talk about things like vibration, frequency, awakening, and consciousness? Are you pretty sure you have superpowers? The Superpower Net is unlike normal coaching programs and conscious communities. We provide training, intuitive guidance, peer-to-peer -peer learning, intensive one-on-one -on -one coaching, and a high vibrational network of people just like you. When you join the Net, you get 24-7 access to a collaborative group of people who support you as you master your personal power and unlock your superpowers. If you're ready to use your superpowers to change the world, then join the Superpower Net today. Visit superpowerexperts.com slash the net to learn more. Okay, and we're back. Um, so though I just want to sort of let our listeners know the way that this conversation came about, I mean, was obviously from your own life experience, but you, you also took a step forward by writing an article for Mothering Magazine about your, your process and your emotional experience around choosing an abortion after having already had three children. Mm -hmm. 
did. That was my way of testing the waters. Yeah. And, and tell us a little bit more about what you learned through that process. Yeah. Um, so I actually wrote that piece. I wrote most of that piece. Um, back in December, um, I was getting ready for the holiday and anyone who's experienced loss, whether it's miscarriage or abortion, and I have experienced both. Um, and those who've lost um, living babies or children too, um, the holidays just, you know, anyone who's grieved at all knows that the holidays can stir a lot of um, intensity, a lot of intense emotion. And so I wrote that piece, um, not intending for it to be published anywhere. Um, but I was getting ready for the holiday and it just sort of flooded in and I knew I had to, to write it out. Um, and I decided on a whim at like 12 o'clock at night, you know, before I went to bed to send it to mothering and say, I think, I think there's women who need to hear this. How do I reach them? (laughs) And it was actually months before they responded back. Um, And I kind of forgot about it and they responded back. We definitely want to share this piece. And it was a whole process. Um, So I didn't really know when I wrote it, did it had, um, I knew like intuitively that it was meant to reach many, many women, but I had no idea how it wasn't like I set out to write a piece for mothering magazine. I just didn't know where else to send it at that point. I was like, I don't know where to send it. Maybe they can direct me. And so it became a bit of a test. It became like, as soon as I realized I was pregnant and was going to have to make the most difficult decision of my life, I knew there was a much bigger story around it and that it wasn't just this thing that I was going to go through. But I also knew that it was probably going to be the scariest thing I did beyond that moment was to share my story publicly and to share your story publicly in a published book, which um, will be written. And I knew immediately would be written um, is much bigger than to share it in a mothering magazine article. Mm -hmm. So it was a bit of testing the waters. Can I handle the haters? Can I handle the awful comments? Like, can I handle the, you know, the disgust people feel? by reading my story. Um, and I didn't know <laughs> if I could right up until the moment they hit publish. I didn't know if I could. I mean, I was pretty sure that I could, but you don't know when you're just going to cave and go, no way, this is too much. So it was, it was a test of my own um, willingness to use my experience for other women. And if we go back to the very beginning of the conversation and superpowers, um, I would also add that I have a strong calling to be a voice for other women. And that's mm. probably the biggest piece of this whole experience. Mm-hmm. And why you were willing to do that. Because I mean, most women don't go out and share about their story after it happens. I mean, this is such a taboo topic and and there are such heated arguments 
um, around this topic, you know, in, in our government and just like if any of the women listening in have ever been to a Planned Parenthood or to an abortion clinic, I mean, you, you encounter the people picketing outside and, and there's this assumption, I think, oftentimes that you're some kind of hater of life or that there's like an evil inside of you that that incites this decision to terminate a pregnancy. Um, and yet why I wanted to have you on to talk about this is because there are so many emotions mm. that even, even if you're really clear that this is the right decision for you, I mean, I know from reading your article, like you, you already had three children, you knew what having a new baby entailed, you had had an IUD in place that you didn't realize had fallen out, you know, you had put measures in place to not have another child, both for your sanity, for your financial life, for the well-being of your other kids, for the, you know, you were really looking after the, the, the health of the whole community of your family in making this decision. And yet there were still these grieving emotions that came up for you. And I think this is, this is a piece that we just, we don't talk about. And the people who, who want to hate on it are, are really not considering the fact that this is a very complex decision that a woman makes. It's not, it's not just like a alternative to birth control, you know, there's a lot in this. There's so much in it. <laughs> yeah, there's so much. And um, the reason, I mean, like I said, I knew as soon as it happened that this was a piece of my much bigger story that I, um, that was just unlocked. Um, and the feelings around it, the, the hardest feeling of all was the loneliness. Um, and I had incredible support. I had support from my immediate family. I had support from girlfriends. I had support from my husband. I actually had support from my children. Um, I had a supportive community. I had incredible healthcare. Um, the process itself was amazing. And I still felt so alone. <laughs> it was like, it was intense. It was intense. And like you said, I have zero regret. This is like the, I call this the greatest act of love that I have ever experienced, um, that I have ever taken. Um, but it doesn't mean there's not sadness. And, they, and that's the message I really wanted to send in that very short mothering article was, just because you know you did the right thing, whether it's an abortion or something else in your life, mm -hmm. it doesn't mean you're not allowed to feel other feelings about it, right? Like, yeah. just because you made the right decision, it doesn't shut down the fact that you have sadness. Totally. And I'm, and I'm sure just knowing you and knowing who you are, that your awareness of how much support you had and, and how, how privileged you were to have the healthcare that you had and to, to go through it and to still feel this isolation, even with the support of all these people around, I'm sure that there was a process inside of you that was like, wow, okay, if, if I am feeling these feelings, how about all of the women who don't even have access to those resources. I couldn't even fathom and I still can't. I mean, and, and this will be a book written um, 
very much co-collaboratively with other women's stories, but mine is just such a, exactly that, Tatiana, exactly that. Mine is such a tiny, smooth piece. Like everything went so smoothly and perfectly (laughs) as it, you know, as, as it could have, right? For the situation that it was, it couldn't have gone better. And there was still so much feeling around it. What about all those women who didn't have it go so smoothly? Yeah. Um, it's just heartbreaking. I, I, I tell this story and it's probably going to crack me open, but the, a friend of mine, a good friend of mine asked, where in your body do you feel the sadness? Um, Cause I had told her that it comes in waves. Mm-hmm. And I didn't really know how to answer her other than my heart, right? But the next time it came in, I I asked myself the question, where do I feel the sadness? Is it just in my heart? And it wasn't. My arms just felt hollow. They mm-hmm. felt lost. They felt missing. They felt empty. And I realized that we had an organization, a local organization called Empty Arms. Um, and this is a beautiful organization. I'm so proud of the work that they're doing for women. Um, but in heaving, cry, crying sadness, I went to the website and I realized that they didn't serve me. That um, abortion by choice for a non-medical reason was not a population they served. And I just <laughs> lost it. Like That was probably the deepest hardest um reality check of the entire experience Mm -hmm. Um, and it's that it's like yeah who serves all these women who don't have it as smooth as I did right right I didn't have empty arms but I could turn to my husband and say you're not going to believe what I just figured out. <laughs> I could turn to my girlfriends. I could turn to even my um, healthcare providers and say, oh my gosh, but what about all the women who don't have that? And I asked healthcare provider after healthcare provider, like, what are my resources? What do I do now? And they each said, and I live in a really progressive area in terms of women's health and access. And they each said, there aren't any, like, we don't know what to tell you. And I'm thinking, and the statistics are different, but if one in four women go through this experience, how can there be no resources? Yeah. Insanity. Yeah. And I I think it speaks to just a a lack of acknowledgement that there's, there's stuff that's going to come up for you around this. I mean, I, you know, you and I've talked about, I also had an abortion many, many years ago and it was actually with with my husband when we had first gotten together before we were married, um, before, before I ever had a child. And so I had a different process around it because I had wanted to have a child and here I was pregnant, but my life wasn't ready to support that. My relationship wasn't ready to support that. And, um, and I actually tried to go about aborting herbally, um, which didn't work. And so then I was way further along in my pregnancy than I ever wanted to get with that one. And, and having communications with the spirit of the child who, by the way, I am very convinced is, is my daughter, Sana, who, who came back. Um, the, the energy that I felt with that spirit and the energy that she embodies are, are, are very, very similar. Um, 
and I knew it was a girl. You spoke to that in your article. You didn't know how you knew, but you knew it was a girl. And I knew it was a girl in, in that, in that pregnancy. And yet I had taken all these herbs at that point, And I was like, even if something had shifted in my heart around, maybe I could keep this baby. Maybe, maybe something could work out. I had, you know, done all this stuff where I was like, I'm going to have some kind of deformed fetus if I carry it to term. And, and, and I remember going into the clinic and, you know, holding the hand of the woman whose job was just to be there to hold my hand as they, you know, as they took this fetus out of my body. And I remember looking into her eyes and saying, have you done this before? And she said, no. And like in that moment, I felt more alone than I've ever felt in my entire life. Like, all right, here I am, like in this incredibly uncomfortable process. And, and your hand holding mine means absolutely nothing right now because you don't even know what this is. Yeah. Um, and so I think it is important that those of us who have gone through this experience, and then, I mean, yeah, the grief was tremendous. I cried so hard in that moment and afterwards, and I had to have, you know, create ceremony after ceremony for myself, which I'm grateful that I had that as a resource in my own self. Um, but I think that, you know, there's a, there's a process that, that is just so important to be addressing that happens. For me, the grief, I felt it like in my, in my breasts sometimes and in my arms too. But there was this like, yeah, there's supposed to be a child here. My body knows. I think there's really like the body keeps score. The body has such a wisdom to it. Um, and even with miscarriage, you know, we haven't really just talked about about that much, but I've heard, you know, I had a friend who had a really intense miscarriage. She said two of them actually. And, um, and when she hit the nine month point, she went through like a whole birthing process in her body, even though there was no longer anything to birth. Um, it's just, there's so many layers to this, to this topic and, um, and to how we, how we navigate it in a good way and how we hold space for each other and how, how can a woman who's longed for a child and hasn't been able to carry one to term sit next to a woman who, <laughs> who got pregnant and chose to terminate her pregnancy and how can they like be in the same room and, and hold each other's hands and support each other? You know, like, I mean, that's, that's really deep. It's yeah. really deep. It is. It's really hard. I don't know what the right answers are, except it's part of the human healing that we need to do on many, many levels, not just this one, um, is to be able to sit with each other and be okay with our different stories, you know, hold space for each other's stories. Um, but it's so hard with our egos and our judgment and yeah. our fear and, our, and we have such a lack of ability to process all those feelings in general that when we hit something as deeply emotional as this like the ability to sit next to a woman with a different story and I and I think that's the biggest reason that particular organization had been unable to serve right women like me because they hadn't figured that out yet how do we how do we do that yeah. um how do we not turn away the women who've tried and tried and tried and tried and, and can't get their arms are empty because they can't get pregnant and you're because they miscarry every time they yeah. do 
Yeah. And your arms are empty because you chose to end the life of your child. Like, whoo. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And it, like a conversation like this, it's just to be had, right? I think that's the answer is that we just yeah. need to, it's not that Tatiana and I are going to come to any conclusions. In <laughs> We're going to solve I, the world's problems yeah. around abortion and miscarriage, no, right? Or that I did in my article or that I even yeah. will touch it in my book. Yeah. But we're willing to show up and have the conversation. And I can't tell you. I mean, there were haters up the wazoo. Yeah. And it was really just social media. Um, the response on the Mothering Mart- mothering. Um, magazine article itself like on the website mm-hmm. was overwhelmingly positive and supportive oh interesting so it was just the people who you had friended personally on social media who were attacking you uh no and i'm so sorry my phone is ringing in the background um no it was not it was my immediate community was incredibly supportive on social media um which i didn't know what would happen it was the women on the on the Mothering Magazine Facebook page uh-huh. that called me a murderer and robbed my children of their sibling and just like nasty, 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 <laughs> um, which brings up the whole conversation of social media. And it was really fascinating to me that you could see so clearly, like even the platform of a blog on a website didn't open the doors for the nastiness that the the Facebook page did. Um, What I'm so curious about this phenomenon, because I, it seems to me like people are willing to let a level of nastiness out at someone else way in like a way bigger way than you ever would in person. Because there's this this distance. Like if you were sitting in a room with that person, like guaranteed that conversation would go so differently, even if they had the same intensity of feelings and emotions. Like, I don't even think the protesters in large numbers outside abortion clinics have the intensity that women on social media do. (laughs) Um, They're there and it's not pretty, but they're not diving as deeply and you're walking through and they're not diving as deeply into your personal story. They're there for a greater cause. Um, So they don't, make as personal attack, you know, like the women on that page were attacking my living children, like, cause they knew I had living children. And when you walk through protesters, they don't know your story. Right, right. So social media opened up this space for just like, wow. <laughs> um, and I chose to interact with all of that for 24 mm-hmm. full hours. I decided that for 24 hours, I was going to I was going to speak my voice. I wasn't going to let them leave those nasty comments um, without them hearing my response. Mm-hmm. And and then I decided after 24 hours that I had done all I could do and that it was time to move on. But um, yeah, I don't even remember how we got to this piece about social media, but it is fascinating and intense. Um, way, it's, it's interesting because... There, I, if I'm being honest, I think we lack an ability to have deep conversations with each other um, mm-hmm. in general as culturally. and Especially to, when we disagree about something. Yeah. Yeah. But then like on social media, suddenly we can go super personal <laughs> um, 
yeah, it's just, it's fascinating. It's, it's all very fascinating. It is. It's a, it's a quite a fascinating psychological experiment. We're all choosing to participate in, in this social media grand yeah. experiment. Um, I actually was really grateful um, for, so I have, um, I had one living child like straight through, I got pregnant and I delivered her and she's 13 now. Um, and then I had a miscarriage between my two girls and then I had another living child, another living child, um, and then the abortion. And I was actually really, really grateful that I had had the miscarriage. Um, after I chose the abortion, I was, I mean, I've always sort of been grateful for that story in my life, but particularly I was glad that I had experienced both in choosing the abortion. There was this piece of like, I know what it feels like to lose out of my control. And I know what it feels like to lose in my control. Yes. Um, and I think that's, that does serve me in the telling of my story. And I don't exactly know how, but it does. <laughs> well, I think it just, it, there's a, there's a knowing of both experiences and I think nothing can really replace, no amount of study or education can replace direct experience. Uh, you can read about, you know, what it feels like. You can imagine what it feels like, but then to actually go through it yourself is, is a whole other level. And I also, I've, I've had, all three. I've, you know, I've had the abortion. I've delivered a child who's alive and well, and I've, I've miscarried a number of times. And, um, and it, the, yeah, there's a whole, there's a whole host of different emotions that go along with it. I will say that, bef- I think, I think that we need to have more education and more conversation around this topic because I know that for myself, when I had when I had the abortion, I was in my early twenties and, you know, I was young, I was pretty progressive and I was, you know, I tried to be pretty, pretty aware about my health and my, my choices. Um, but I was also young and stupid and made some mistakes and got pregnant because of it. And I think that there was a piece that because no one had ever talked to me about the other side of the emotional process of what having an abortion entails that because even in the progressive world in, in, in the like women's lib and, and feminist world, it was like, Oh yeah, you can just, you can always have an abortion. And like the emotional piece was never discussed that for me, that, that never played into, it wasn't a factor in my decision-making. And after going through that process, I realized how, Oh my God, like there was, there was definitely a part of me that was holding an awareness that, you know, if I ever got pregnant, I could always have an abortion as like a plan C Mm -hmm. in the background Mm -hmm. that allowed me to operate with less consciousness and with less intention in my choices. Um, And if I had known what that process was going to be like on a deeply emotional level and and how much that was going to work me and how much that was going to have an impact on my relationship i think i would have i would have been a lot more intentional and a lot more aware of of how i was approaching my sexual interactions yeah. um and you know it was after after i had the abortion 
I told, finally told my mother about it because I wasn't supposed to lift more than five pounds. And my dad was asking me to help, you know, move this heavy table in the house. And I like had this whole like breakdown. I can't lift it. And my mom said, I wish you had told me before you had the abortion because I went through an abortion before I had your brother. And it was the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. And I was like, oh my God, I am 24 years old. Like, how come you've never told me about this? Yeah. And it's just because it's something we just don't Don't talk talk about. (laughs) So I remember thinking too, even I, someone who'd studied women's health and worked in women's health and just like advocated for women's health. I had so many, so many things came up for me that I was wrong about. Like, First of all, I thought it was going to be much harder to get an abortion than it was. I had no idea like mm-hmm. um, what I was going to have to do or where. And I was like pleasantly surprised by how easy it was the whole time in terms of like emotionally. I mean, it was an easy logistical process too. But in terms of like, I felt loved and supported and cared for um, and educated. And I, I was surprised by that. <laughs> and I thought, why are you surprised by this? Because it's so secret that I didn't really know what to anticipate. It was like this secret world that even though I was in the women's health world, I still didn't know how it worked. Um, and I thought that was really interesting. Um, yeah, so we, not only do we not talk about it after, we don't talk about it before. And that's sort of where your story leads. Yeah, totally. We don't yeah. know, you know, we just don't know. right and so I just I really want to like thank you from the depths of my heart for being willing to come on the show and have this conversation because I'm like you you know I want to I want to serve a lot of people that's why I have this show and if I can use this platform to at least start talking about it to at least open up a conversation so exactly. that we can pull this like deep dark skeleton out of the closet and look at it yeah. like then I know i've done something you know? when the mothering article went public um being an online person with some nerves <laughs> I, of course, was watching what would happen, right? Like, oh, God, there it is. What's going to happen next? And the first two interactions that I had after I posted the story were from two young women who were in their very early 20s. Um, And all they did was simply give my post a love, a heart, right? And one of them did end up messaging me privately, but as soon as those very first two interactions happened, I thought, I don't care what happens after this because these two young women just heard my story and their life, you know, they may face this someday and they'll look back and they'll know my story and it will serve them in some way. And it was like, I, I don't care what happens next. I don't care about the haters. I don't care if someone's picking her at my front door. Like, because I just serve these two young women that I care about um, before they'll ever have to face it. Or perhaps they had as teenagers and I didn't know about it. But for me, it was like the earlier that I can reach women, the better. Yeah. 
Yes, which it just circles back around to my advocacy for education around it. And not education necessarily even in the like formal education sense, but in the like women circling around as women and sharing stories. I even had people say, well, what are you going to tell your kids someday? And I was like, what do you mean? I already told them. <laughs> so less, I mean, I didn't tell my four-year-old. Right. But... Like I already told my girls. Like so, and, and so I wanna I wanna just hear a little bit about that. We do we do have to come to a close here soon. But before we do, I I I am curious, and I'm sure there's other listeners who are curious to know. You know, first of all, how old your girls are, and how you went about having that conversation with them. Yeah, I wasn't sure how I was going to, um, but I knew that I wouldn't. It's just not in my personality or in our relationship for me to keep secrets. So I decided that. I would let them lead the way, which is what we do as women. Um, but I pretty much said to them, and they are they at the time were 10 and um, 12. And um, I said to them both, like, I'm in bed, I was pregnant, and now I'm not. And I wanted to see what that would lead to. And my 10-year-old was like, oh, okay. And she sort of retreated and was supportive in her quiet way, but didn't really want to have much of a conversation beyond that. And I, and I let it sit there. Um, my 12 year old at the time was much more at my side. You know, she would climb into bed with me and she said at one point, um, mom, that must've been a really hard decision to make. And she knew right away because I said it in a way that wasn't super clear. Like I didn't say I lost right. the baby. Right. Um, I didn't say I had a miscarriage. I simply said I was pregnant and now I'm not. Yeah. And the 10 year old mind was like, Oh, okay. Um, and the 12 year old mind was like, Hmm, <laughs> right. I think there's more to this story. Um, so I didn't lie, but I also didn't say, Hey, I just had an abortion. Um, because I wanted to see where they would take it. And she immediately said, mom, that must've been a really hard decision to make. And that, that was a harder moment of the experience too. I was so proud of her for seeing how difficult that was. And I also could feel the relief from her. She was like, thank God. Mm. Um, and it was, thank God that you didn't have that. Because that was not the healthiest choice for our family. And we were in a, our marriage is in a good place. Our family is healthy. Um, from the outside eye, I'm sure there are people who are going, of course you could have had a fourth baby, but that was not the healthiest choice for our family. And I could feel her relief in that. Like, thing. yeah, well, I mean, I remember the last time you were pregnant. I mean, you had a really, you got really sick. You were pretty much on bed rest, like the whole second half of your pregnancy. 14 weeks. Yeah. 14 weeks I laid on my couch. And so I did factor that into my decision a tiny bit, but not very much. Um, but yeah, to, to put my, I knew, I knew that that was not what my kids needed was to have another sibling. You know what? And I think this is really where it comes down to where we're in this collective evolution of moving from the I to the we. And yeah, and I think mm. that it's so important to really 
to couch this experience in that. I mean, I really see you in this process as having made a decision from that looking at what's for the greater good of the whole. Not just about this individual spirit that's coming through, but what about the greater good of the whole family unit in this, in this experience. And that is such an important thing to, and way to approach how we make decisions. The conversation my husband and I had many, many times, and there's so much story around here that I won't get into, but the conversation we had many times was it would be easier to have this baby than not have this baby. Like that would have been the easier choice Um, because for so many reasons, but the choice that needed to be made was the harder one for the we. Yeah, exactly. Oh, (laughs) yeah. Talk about this all day. (laughs) I know. I know. And, and we, we are coming to the end of our time. So I just, I just want to honor you, Amanda, as a brave and powerful woman who is already making positive change in the world. And I know we'll continue to do more of that. I'm so honored to know you. I'm so grateful that the birth of my daughter and all of the horrible circumstances surrounding it allowed us to get, get to know each other. Yeah. And, um, and yeah, you can, again, learn more about Amanda and, and her work and how to work with her at amandastarkingsley.com. And just thank you for being you and for being in the world. Um, before we sign off, is there one any last, <clears throat> ask, last snippet you want to give our listeners? No, I just want to thank them, too, for listening. And however they leave this this conversation, um, whatever feelings they have about it. Um, thank you for listening and, and sharing. Please do share with women in your life. That was some of the most meaningful um, piece of sharing the Mothering Magazine article was all the women who said, I sent this to my sister. I sent this mm. to my friend. Mm-hmm. Um, because there are more women than you know who are feeling these feelings. Yeah. Yeah. And so please, if this has triggered something in you, reach out to either myself or Amanda. You know, we are both, this is what we do. We support women through these journeys um, and, and through conversation and with a lot of love. And so if you're, if you're having strong feelings and you really want to unpack them, please reach out. Um, or I, I'll offer myself. I don't want to offer that on your, on your behalf, Amanda, but I feel I feel capable of of, uh, of inviting that since this is my show and I want to take that responsibility for what I put out there and how it lands for people. Well, I'm not going to take responsibility for your emotions, listeners, actually. I take that back. But I will hold them with you and I will hold space yeah, for you. Exactly. Thank you so much. Yeah. And to our listeners, I love you so much. Thank you for being you, for showing up in the world, for being willing to navigate this work and this life. And I honor you. And until next time, go out and love yourself so that you can love the world more deeply. Many blessings. Are you ready to discover your superpowers? Go now to superpowerexperts.com and take the superpower quiz today.